Welcome to Momentum Church. Man, I'm telling you, during worship, just my mind filled with promises that God has made to me and to my wife. And I know each of you here this morning, there was promises that were coming into your mind that God has for you. And it was incredible just to be in worship with you in agreement. Amen. And as we worship today, Jesus was in our midst. I love that. And, um, and I just know when he comes into the midst of a room like this, where two or three gathered together agreeing on anything, you could say to a mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, and it would be so. Amen? And so there's some mountains. How many have some mountains in their life right now? Yeah, there's some things that, that I'm just speaking forth and believing for God to bring forth. And so I, I, encourage, I thank you guys. And um, today we're going to be talking about the church here in a little bit, and I just want to thank you that you came in ready to worship, that you came in ready to stand in agreement, that, 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 that the worship time isn't perfunctory to wait for the preaching to come, but it's all a part of what God is doing together with us on a given day when we join together, and you guys came with gusto today, amen? And um, I, gusto, that's a weird word, but I had a, a, well, you know Pastor Mike Gaither, he would always say gusto um, when I would talk with him. I, you guys just have gusto. And so I honor you for the gusto that you bring to this house. Amen? Well, this is our second week. We've been doing John for a good while now, but this is our second week talking about the subject of discernment. And I want you to turn your Bibles to John chapter 7, John chapter 7. The last week, we really looked at personal discernment, and I'm going to do a quick review. And then today, I want to look at discerning Christ's body, discerning the church as it is today, not just our church, but the modern church in our, our world, especially the church here in America. And um, as a ministry, our church, you know, we have this desire to lead people on an adventure to more in life through Christ. That's our goal. Every single person in here, you have that mandate, if you're a part of Momentum, to lead people in your sphere onto an adventure to more in life through Jesus. And we know in life, as you're going through life and you're going into this adventure, there's some definite ups and there's some definite downs. There's decisions that you have to make that you need discernment in. Decisions that will be decisions towards righteousness and un unrighteousness. Decisions literally between life and death. Decisions that, that come to you that are laid at your feet to make. Trusting God or doubt right? Faith or disbelief. There's all these different decisions. And much like the Israelites, we have seen as they transitioned from Egypt over the 40 years into the promised land, those who made the good decisions, the right decisions, those who walked in discernment and aligned themselves to the leadership of God in that season, they walked into their more. Shout more. They walked into their promise. But those who aligned themselves with the lies, aligned themselves with the voices that were around that doubted what God was doing, that aligned themselves with their own fears, their own physical desires. We wish we could go back to Egypt and eat that stuff over there. Literally, the stuff they were talking about is the, the refuse of Egypt. But that's what they were saying, that they wanted to go back to the waste of Egypt. And those people who did not discern properly, they failed to walk into the promises that God had for them. And I don't know about y'all, as your pastor, I don't want you missing one thing God has for you. Not one, I want everything God has for you. The word of God says his promises are yea and amen. 
But the key to that is speaking his promise. The key to that is speaking his will. The key to that is discerning the heart of God. And once you discern his heart, go like crazy speaking and declaring and living according to that word that he's given to you. Amen? And as we do that, we walk up into the promise. We walk up into the more that he has for us. But we make those wrong decisions and we miss out on all the best that God has for us. Pastor, you sound like you're putting a whole lot on us. I am. It's, it's a disciplined life to live according to the will of God. It's a disciplined life to be those who would call themselves Christians, not just in name, but those that are saying to themselves, I want to be Christ-like. In other words, I want the mind of Christ to make decisions like Christ so that I can walk like Christ, talk like Christ, and walk into all that I have that God has for me. Amen? That's not easy. It's difficult. And it really comes down to discernment. And so I was telling you last week, as I was reading chapter 7, I was surprised at how much points of discernment I saw throughout the Scripture. People who were believing who Jesus is, people who were not. People who felt that Jesus needed to do miracles, people who felt he didn't do enough. People who, and on and on and on. It was all this discernment. And by the end of chapter 7, you see them being divided. You see this huge division starting amongst the people, all because of Jesus. Well, guess what? Jesus divides. Yeah, when you serve him, there's things that are going to be different than if you didn't serve him. Now, if you're a Christian in name only, you may call his name and not live anything different, and there won't be a division. But there's something powerful about saying, no, no, I am taking my place through discernment. I'm making that choice, that wise choice to stand over here with the things of God. To stand with this company, not with Korah, not with this group of people and this leader that, that would have led the Israelites astray. So what I want to look at real quick is the verse we ended with last week. It was the Feast of Tabernacles, and Jesus had went up to the city to, to celebrate with family, the Feast of Tabernacles. And it, the Jews were looking for him at the feast saying, where is he? And there was much muttering, this is verse 10, much muttering about him among the people. I love that because when it comes to Jesus, there's always much muttering. When it comes to who Jesus is, you know, he, some people, I mean, from that base level, it's, it's, he's a prophet. No, he's the Messiah. He's a good teacher. No, he's Savior. He's a moral leader. No, he is a complete reprobate if all he was was a moral teacher because he lied, 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 lied. Because he said he was more than a moral teacher. Amen? He said he was king of kings and lord of lords. He said that he was the son of God. He said, you've seen me, you've seen the father. That's what it tells us here in this chapter of John, right? So he can't just be a moral teacher. But you can see how that divides, much murmuring. And so at this moment, there's all this murmuring taking place. And while some said he is a good man, others said, no, 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 he's leading people astray. And so you can see this division of discernment taking place as you're reading this. And so my question, like it was last week, is similar today. How do you know if someone or something is of God? How do you discern? Well, yeah, you can call pastor, and pastor can pray with you and help you with the word and things like that. You can look at your small group leader, and that's a good, it's good to get wise counsel. Good decisions are made amongst wise counsel, and that's part of that discernment process. But, but, but you, how, what are some key things that you can walk in that'll give you the ability to live out discernment in your life. Amen. And so with that, 
Let me give a definition of discernment. I gave it to you last week. I was trying to find it. A decision-making process in which a person led by the Holy Spirit makes a discovery that leads to future action in light of that discovery. So that discernment can be something where you say, this isn't for me, and you make that decision. That's the action. Or this is for me. This is the decision I need to make, and there's the action. But it leads you to something. It leads you to something. And so I gave you last week three things. We're going to hit them real quick. Number one, are you striving to be in God's will and do God's will? That's a huge key to discernment because it speaks to the matters of the heart. Discernment is a matter of the heart. If you have a heart that's leaning towards God and his will, you will discern more readily his will. Amen? But if you're kind of on the side over here, this is what I want. But God, you don't know. As soon as you start going, but God, that's probably a good sign that you're trying to figure out a way to do your will. But God this, but God that, but God, I'm different than, but God. So the leaning of your heart is a good point of discernment. It shows you where you're at with your discernment. And so the question is this, you need to question your learning or your leaning. In that time, when, when, you're, when you're trying to make a discernment, okay, where is my leaning? Am I leaning towards what I want, or am I genuinely leaning towards the desires of God? What do you desire, Lord? The second thing we saw last week was who or what is getting the glory. So in the decision I'm going to make, who is going to receive that glory? This is a discernment. It's a matter of honor. So you have a matter of the heart. You also have a matter of, of honor, and in that moment, you're going to question in the moment, what will bring the greatest glory to God? Does it bring glory to God for me to do this? Does it bring glory to God for me to say this? Does it bring glory to God in this moment for me to make this decision? I know that what I'm about to decide on is a little, it's sketchy legally. But it's good business. Good business. But sketchy legally. But you know what? I'll tithe. And I've told you this before, don't play the lottery, right? But if you do and you win, tithe, all right? But don't play, don't do it. But if you win, tithe. No, it's that mindset. God, I know this isn't quite, but I'm going to use this for your, I'll, I'll tip you over here for your glory, you know? No, you've got to ask yourself, who is getting the glory in this moment? That third thing we looked at last week, what does the word say about what you're experiencing? So you're going through a discerning process, a, a, something you're making a decision on. You're, that discernment is a matter of prioritizing God's word in your life. I said it recently to a young person. I said, we do not have the privilege to edit the word of God. We only have the privilege to proclaim it. That's all we have the privilege and live by. We can't just say, well, that's not for me. That means this. That means that. It, no. You're not prioritizing God's word, and that's okay. You don't have to prioritize the Bible if you're a Buddhist. Don't prioritize the scriptures of Jesus if you're a Muslim. Amen? You're all looking at me funny. They're online. If you're a Buddhist, practice Buddhism. Come over and try Jesus. But, but what I'm trying to say is I'm not expecting them to prioritize scripture. They're not saying they're Christians. But it's about time God's people who say they're Christians start to prioritize his word in our lives. Amen? So that's a big point of discernment. If we look at his word and we go, you know what? I find myself in this situation. I'm choosing poorly in light of the word. Guess what changes? Your decision, not the word. Amen? And the word is a word of promise. 
You walk out that word, guess what? You walk into, everybody shout more. You walk into what he has for you. So discernment is a matter of prioritizing God's word in your life. And so we need to, in those moments, to question our submission to letting God's word be the final say in our decisions. We need to. We, like, I don't have that choice. Your word is that final thing. How many's messed up living God's word this week? My hands, both of them are up. Yeah. Did I? Did I? I'm asking my wife. Oh, yeah, she's like. So I'm not sitting here preaching to you, you're going to be perfect. I'm not sitting here preaching, but I'm saying that is the plan. That is the, the goal. That is not making excuses. That is the discernment I have that, God, I see I'm not living up to this. And so I find myself at a place on my knees going, God, help me, not please excuse me. Does that make sense? And so that discernment, using the word of God. Now, I want to look at the final thing. I told you last week there's a fourth one. And I'm going to pull this fourth one into discerning the modern-day church. And um, so the fourth one, let's look at the scripture. John 7, verse 22 through 24. Moses gave you circumcision, not that it is from Moses, but from the fathers. And you circumcise a man on Sabbath. If on the Sabbath a man receives circumcision, so that the law of Moses may not be broken, are you angry with me, Jesus says, because on the Sabbath I made a man's whole body well? So these are people who have been circumcised in body, recognizing that they're people of the covenant, they're people of the word, all right? And they're frustrated because now Jesus has done something on the Sabbath that brought life, brought healing, rather, to another man, made another man's whole body well. And then verse 24, this is where we're going to get our number fourth point of discernment. Do not judge by appearance, but judge with right judgment. Do not judge by appearance, but judge by right judgment. So number four is this. Is who or what you're experiencing motivated by the flesh or by the spirit? By the flesh or by the spirit? What, what's motivating the decision? What's motivating the experience? What is behind all of this? And yet, that's why we need the person of the Holy Spirit, and we need to draw close to him because the Holy Spirit gives you the gift of discernment. It's not just a fleshly decision you're making in a moment. I'll just give you an honest truth. When I was in my young, like early 20s to mid-20s, I had no business counseling anybody. How many has a 20-year-old in here? 25-year-old or in that range, 20 to 25. Do you want them counseling anybody? And I even felt that way. And literally, I would go into sessions where people were asking me for my opinion or my advice on something, and I would just be fearful. And before they came in my office, man, I'd be there praying. I'd be praying in tongues. I'd be just seeking God. God, I need you to show up because I know I don't have the wisdom. But if you'll show up, you'll speak to them, and it'll change what they're going through. That's why I never got real prideful about ministry, because I was a mess at it. But just constantly, if you'll show up, you'll make a difference. And guys, I'm telling you right now, there was smart stuff that came out of this mouth at 23 years old for people. I'm serious. There's stuff I would actually literally tell the person, can you hold on for a second? I need to write that down. And I'm still using some of the stuff God showed me all the way back then. Why? It wasn't because it was me. I had a discernment in the moment. I understood what was going on with their situation. And then I applied the word to it. And the word set him free. Jesus set him free through his word. It's just crazy how the Holy Spirit will do that in your life. And you've heard me joke about this before. You'll have people that'll be saved and they'll say, well, I wasn't raised in this. And they use that as an excuse for not moving the things of God. I wasn't raised. You've been saved 12 years. Stop using that excuse. 
Amen? Raised, you could be a doctor of Jesus. Doc, doc, I got the doctrine of Jesus by now. Yeah, you know? And it's not that you have to know a lot. It's actually not knowing a lot is okay. Lean in. Let the Holy Spirit do his work. Open that Bible. He's going to start showing you things. Talk to friends to balance it out, to be sure you're hearing right and such like that. Man, but that's, that's moving in the spirit, not just the flesh. And so when it came to this, Jesus was challenging them. And what his challenge was, he was challenging them past being satisfied with the circumcision of the flesh to the circumcision of the heart. All through scripture, God dealt with his people in this way. You're circumcised in the flesh. You've cut the flesh away as a sign that you are my people, but your heart has not been circumcised. Your heart has not been changed. The flesh of your heart, what would allow your spirit man to rise fully and freely and run after what God has is being held back because you're allowing the carnality of your heart not to be cut away. And so Jesus is challenging this in this moment, this this challenge between what's flesh and what is spirit. Challenging us to view things not by the appeal of the flesh, but by what is going on spiritually in the moment. But look, look, this is, I have been circumcised. My flesh lines up. I know, but your spirit doesn't. Who you are at the core is not lining up. So that question of number four, does this appeal to my flesh? In other words, the things that are on the surface level, a lot of times those, those wants are on that surface level. But does this appeal to my flesh or does this appeal to my spirit deep at the core? And I'll tell you right now, sometimes the things that that are appealing to your spirit are going to be off-putting to your flesh. Let me ask you guys, have you you been a believer for a while and next thing you know, you're watching something and all of a sudden it's like, oh, have you had that experience before? It's It's like there was a time when that didn't affect you. Or maybe you're somewhere and you hear somebody say, GD. There's a time where it came out your mouth, you know? And um, I remember playing basketball with a bunch of young guys one time. And man, it was just GD this, GD that, GD. And I looked at the kid. I said, listen. I said, don't talk about my father. I won't talk about your mother. Come on. And he laughed. And it was a good way to, to just, you know, kind of work that. And, and the kid laughed. And, and he didn't talk. I didn't talk about his mama either. But he stopped talking about, about Jesus, you know? In that way. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying. It's like something goes on. It was never even a thing in your head. And now all of a sudden, oh, guess what that is? It's discernment. It's your spirit, man, connected to the Holy Spirit. And you feel that, oh, a little bit. That's a good thing. Heed that. Listen to that. That's, your, that's you being trained to let your spirit be an authority over your flesh. Our flesh wants to be king. Our flesh wants to rule. Our flesh wants to reign. But no, 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 I submit my flesh. I'm not myself any longer. The man I once was has died, and who I am is raised in Christ. Amen? And so I submit that flesh that has died, and I ask, Lord, help me live by the Spirit. Discern things so I'm walking in spiritual things, not just fleshly things. So does this appeal to my flesh, or does this appeal to my spirit? Now, all four of these points of discernment 
they will help you in making your decisions personally, okay? But that's not where I want to leave it today. If you missed last Sunday, you can go to mymomentumchurch.tv, and the notes are all there, okay? And you can see those other three and more biblical background on all those three that we talked about last week, or you can always watch on, online um, last week's service as well. But what I want to look at this week is going from personally discerning to corporately, to the church, and taking a look at the modern church. Are people experiencing in the modern church flesh or spirit? Are we walking in just something that we feel? Or are we walking in something that God is doing deep on the inside to transform us, to change us? Is it an experience that we have? And I'm not just talking about on a Sunday morning, but I'm kind of hitting that right now. But, but just the whole experience of church. Is it the experience that I have so my flesh, flesh feels belonging? And that's good. That's nothing wrong with that. Or is it also the experience I'm having to where the things of God are changing who I am? Deep at the core. And that's what I want to look at today. So I want you to keep in mind that fourth question. What we're experiencing, is it motivated by flesh or by spirit? Keep that in your mind as we go forward and examine the church today, all right? And not just the church, big C, the church at large. As we examine Momentum Church, let us never be the church that goes, I can't believe them. Look at them. Look at that church. Look at those people. Can we never be that? Amen? I love that yesterday somebody was looking for a church. I think it was yesterday or the day before. I know it was yesterday. Somebody was looking for a church on Cherokee Connect, I think it was. And you've seen it before. Hey, tell me a good church, and I'm looking for this, this, and this. And then all the people are like, my church, my church, my church, my church, my church. And I love that. But, but what I said on there, I, just, I don't usually go, my church. I just, what I said was, you know, something to the effect of, man, I love this. I love that people are shouting out, you know, the name of their church. They're inviting. I said, I think it's great. I'm a big fan of most of these pastors and most of these churches, or all these pastors and all these churches, I think I said. And, um, and what I said is um, I said something like, I'm just excited that you're looking for a place to be tomorrow amongst his people. And I just celebrated that, man, we're all one team. That's what we, we're all one, one team, one body, amen? But as one team and as one body, there's things for us to grow in together. There's things. And so with that, I'm examining our church. I didn't post on there, we're the best church. We're not. But every church listed isn't either. Amen? Collectively, as the people of God, we're the best church. That's kingdom thinking, amen? But if we're the best church as part of the kingdom, and we're that portion, don't we want to be the prize of God? Don't we want to be those that when God looks at 659 Arnold Mill Road, that he looks down and is like, man, those people are going after me. Those people are serious. It's not just flesh, it's spirit. It's not just, not just a title of Christian, but I mean, these are people that are going after me to grow, to learn, to submit their lives to my best, my will, and the future I have for them. Oh, that's what I want. And sometimes as a pastor, I've got to preach sermons collectively about the church. Is that okay? <clears throat> and that's what this is today, just to challenge us <clears throat> to be more like the church that he, he wants. So I'm examining us today. John 7, verse 28. You know what's crazy? The people who served yesterday at the, 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 the serve day for the church, they all got a sheet of paper that's a bingo card that they can carry in their pocket on Easter Sunday. And there's different things for them to watch out, and they're going to get a prize. It's just something fun that they did yesterday. And you know what one of those slots is? 
Pastor Ross cries. <laughs> I'm, I do not. I choke up. Very manly wise. Like, <laughs> okay, I cry a little. So Jesus proclaimed as he taught in the temple, you know me and you know where I come from, but I have not come of my own accord. He who sent me is true and him you do not know. I know him for I come from him and he sent me. So they were seeking to arrest him, but no one laid a hand on him because his hour had not yet come. Verse 31, yet many of the people believed in him. They said, when the Christ appears, will he do more signs than this man has done? In other words, they're saying, look, guys, look at all the stuff he's done. Of course he's the Christ. Look at all the, all the miracles, the signs, the wonders. This has to be the Christ. Now, in retrospect, we know he was. But that's how they're judging it. They're saying, look what he does. Look at the show he has provided. He must be the Christ. But here's what the Christ means. Christ is Greek, Christos. And it's the same word that's Hebrew, Mashiach, and they both mean Messiah, but that means anointed one. That means God's touch is smeared, anointed upon Jesus. That's what this means, all right? And neither of those say, look, up what, look what the Lord has done. It's look what God's blessed this guy so this guy can do all this stuff in my life. Not look what God's done. That's the son of God. And I'm going to live a life submitted to him because he is Lord. I'm going to discern he's not just showing up to do stuff for me. He has shown up to save me so that he might be my Lord. What he says, do I do. Where he says, go, I go. How he says to think, I'm striving to transform my mind to think like him. So they're looking, when the Christ, when this other Messiah, if there is another one was to come, he wouldn't do as much as this one. This, look what he's doing. Look how anointed this one is. But you're going to see here in a second in John, we've already studied it a few weeks ago, they still wouldn't follow. Even with all those signs and wonders, many didn't follow. I want to ask you kind of like, what more are you looking for? What more are you looking for that's going to cause you to go, he is Lord? Not another good church service, not another good sermon or mediocre sermon, not another good, you know what I mean? Like, what more do you need to experience or see for your whole life to go, he is Lord. I'm not looking for his hand. I'm looking right at his heart and I'm following his heart. If it's just God do one more thing, one more thing, one more thing, man, we're treating him like a dog. Come here, Jesus. Come here. Good boy. Sit. Roll over. Jesus, go, go sit in the corner. Turn around. I don't want you to see what I'm doing right now. Please don't look. Sit. I, my Molly, I can look at her, and she'll turn her head. Treat Jesus like a dog. Sit. Do what I want to do. Flesh. Now I want to walk in spirit. Sunday morning. Come on, Jesus. Hype me up, Jesus. Get me excited for the day, Jesus. Ross better have a good sermon so I can make it through the week, Jesus. Y'all like wanting to shoot me right now, but I'm preaching truth up in here. And I'm preaching it to myself because I've done it to him before. How dare myself do that to the Lord? But I want to treat him like a pony show. Come on, Jesus, today. Hmm. So what more am I looking for? See, Jesus had already stirred the crowds with the reality of who he was through signs, miracles, and wonders. But there were some that just couldn't help 
but want more. Just couldn't help but look more. And the thing was, they were missing what God was doing in the moment because their flesh wasn't satisfied. They couldn't see what Jesus was doing because their flesh was getting in the way. We've got to be careful as Christians in our modern world because what happens is sometimes what we think is ministry is actually just a show. And if you have the best show in town, you have the best in town. It's not true. There's medium-sized churches like ours. There's small churches like my, my dad's. My dad's 80 years old and still pastors a group of people. And man, what they do for the kingdom, they may not do it with their legs and feet. They're all very old. But man, they support missions and ministries like I can't imagine a church that size does. And there's mega churches that are doing it right too, amen? I'm not against the mega church. I'm really not. You've heard me say before, I don't want to be a mega church. I want to be a micro church with macro impact. I pray the Lord in 20 years from now, we'll have a handful of these out. Some, you know, young pastors and people and leaders. And, and I like the mid-sized church feel. Yes, we're building a sanctuary in a few years, you know, but it won't be a whole lot bigger than what we have. It Maybe double kind of a thing. A little bit bigger than that, but not much. Why? Because I like that intimacy. I want to be able to spit on people in the front row. <laughs> but we've got to be careful. See, the crowds were thrilled when Jesus gave them bread. They were just exhilarated with that sign, that wonder, that miracle. They were thrilled. He, but then later on in this chapter, he says, you, you, no, no, in that chapter, chapter 6, he says, you are seeking me because you ate your fill of bread. He speaks to their flesh. You're not coming after me to submit your whole being, mind, body, spirit. You are seeking me because I gave your feel. I, I touched you and made your flesh feel right in the moment. If we're not careful in ministry, we can give a good show and leave you leaving with your flesh feeling really good. And your spirit, man, hungry for more. Your flesh feeling esteemed and your spirit man feeling broken. Your flesh feeling as if, you know what, man? I am just so... And then all the positive confessions you can say about yourself. And over here, your spirit man saying, you still got some time to come. You still got some way to grow. You still got some... Well, I don't want, I don't want that. That's formation. That's discipleship. That's growth that is lasting. This over here will just keep you until what you're going through isn't fixed enough for you to stay with him as Christ because he as a puppy dog won't do what you want him to do right now. So when you didn't fix it, I'm done. Well, he was never there to do that. He was there because he's Lord God Almighty. And like Job said, though he slay me, yet I will praise him. Now, I'm not a, a pessimistic preacher. You guys know that. This is a little different slant for you guys with what I'm used to preaching with you guys. I believe God wants to bless you. I do. But he's going to mess you up before he blesses you up sometimes. And sometimes he starts to be Lord in our life, and our flesh bucks. And our flesh is like, can't you just give me bread, Jesus? Bread's gone tomorrow. But Jesus, it feels so good right now. Can't you just appease me, Jesus? He loves you too much. And he calls you to more. Amen? It just takes discernment to know that. Because when Jesus began to say, I am the bread of life that has come down from heaven, he who eats my flesh and drinks my blood will have eternal life, the majority of the people are like, I'm out of here. You know? And I get that. 
But if you read his scripture, he's speaking very metaphorically. And I do believe those who had an ear to hear, remember the leaning? Those who had the discernment because their hearts were leaning towards him, they picked up on that voice. They picked up on, he's talking about a deeper level of relationship. He's not trying just to meet my momentary need. He is wanting to walk with me and talk with me and let me know that I am his own. He is, he is my Lord. That's what he's doing. And they would have that leaning toward more. What are you saying, Jesus? I get to partake of you so deeply? Like, like we're, we're one. Don't we even say nowadays, let's ask Jesus into our, our hearts? No, it's not quite like that, but that's how we teach our kids. Why? We want them to know how close that relationship is. Oh, no, I just want you to be Christ. I just want a miracle. I just want the show. I don't know if I want to have what it takes to grow in you. I don't know if I want to eat your body and drink your, your blood. He was speaking spiritually of the depth of relationship he desired them to have with him. They wanted what was in his hand. They wanted what would appeal to their flesh, but weren't ready to embrace what he was saying spiritually. They weren't ready to embrace him, who I am and what I'm teaching. That's what you need to sustain you, but they weren't wanting to do that. They wanted the next good experience that appeased their flesh. Not what God was doing deeply or wanted to do deeply in their spirit. And sometimes in the modern church, what happens is we get our eyes too much on the stuff we want and not enough on the Savior we need. I want to be just like that. I hope they sing my favorite song today. And I don't think that's wrong. I, I get that. But if it puts you in a bad mood, they didn't. Or I can't believe they sang that song. There's been a few songs through the years, I will be honest. I went to Pastor Corey, like, dude, that's horrible. Let's not do that song no more. <laughs> I can't remember any of them right now. It's only been a couple times where, man, that just, that was not a good song, you know. But that's not why I was there praising, right? So I want to be sure, listen to this. I, I get it when people are searching, and I'm not faulting the search at all. I understand it. But I think it's symptomatic of something more sinister. I think it's something systematic of something more, more um, deep, that's keeping us flesh-bound, not spirit-led. And we've got to be careful. And if you're here today as a guest, man, I'm glad you're looking at this church. You know, There's a lot of good churches in town. And I'm glad we're one of the ones you're looking at. But judge it by spirit, not by flesh. Amen? And we have all the trappings. And I'm going to be preaching right at myself for the next minute, okay? Right at our church. But you'll see people. I want to be sure they have great worship rather than I want to gather with a group of people who worship God greatly. That's different, right? Do they have a full band? Do they have lights? Do they have fog? God can't move if there's not fog. Do they keep their lights down low so we can all be anonymous in the presence of God? So I'm, I'm preaching on it. You're like, that's us, and we suck. No, we don't. I'm kidding. I'm, geez, I'm sorry, Barbara. Your ears. I'm sorry. I shouldn't say that. No. <laughs> but you can tell my tension here. It's like, yeah, it's more than that. And that's why this morning I was out there just praying, like, I got to go in and preach it. I'm just not, I just feel so undone. Lord, help me. And I'm out in my, my area where I go pray and I come in late. And you guys were singing. And you were worshiping. You weren't just enamored by lights and fog and smoke. And, and Pastor Corey's good looks. Man, you guys were lifting your voice. I could hear it coming down the hall. I was like, that's the people I get to serve with. 
That's the ones who, it's not about worship being great, but it's about worshiping our great God, and they're going after God. That's why I was so amped up coming up here the first little bit, because I'm like, we're not the antithesis. I want to be the model that God wants. Not so people would look and say, look at that church, but that God would look from the sapphire seals of heaven and look over, my people love me. I'm their Lord. I'm not just their Christ, I'm their Lord. I want to be sure the pastor has a great media presence, a personal style that is appealing both in dress and delivery, a person who can make me both cry and laugh, be deep, but not so deep they can't be light, but not so light they're trivial. That's some of the pressure you come up in here with sometimes, I'm telling you. And you know how you shake it off? Because that's flesh. You shake it off going by going, God, I want to be pleasing to you. Lord, what do you want from me? What would you say to your people? When I don't have a word for this house, my pastor taught me to pray that. God, what would you say to your people? And that's it. God, I don't have a sermon this weekend. Nothing's coming, Jesus. And you get to your altar. Lord, what would you say to your people? And all of a sudden, because he loves you, he'll start to give me something. That's spirit. That's not flesh. And I'm just always so, like, gee golly, humbled by Like, oh my gosh, you're talking, God, let me catch up. I mean, years ago, I had a person that had left the church. They, they actually had a letter that came to me, two points of the letter. I couldn't get my healing for my hearing, so how could they sit under a pastor that couldn't be healed? Yeah, that was hurtful. And then the second was, I expect my pastor to be on a pedestal. That's what they said. I want somebody I can revere. I want somebody I can really look up to, and you're just too common. You're just too much like us. I'm sorry, that was my deal with Jesus when I was 19 years old and he called me to preach. I said, God, I'll do this if I can just be me. I've been around all the suits. I've been around all the people growing up that, man, they come in, flash power, woo. And I saw how they treated their waitresses and I saw how they treated their wife and I saw how they treated their kids. I didn't want any of that. To hell with that, literally to hell with that. And that guy, man, he broke my heart. But I was just like, you know what? I'm not your pastor. I'm not. But sometimes all the media, it makes pastors almost like they're, they're demagogues. It's scary, people. Amen? It's scary. Even Jesus himself, Jesus himself. You see me, you see the Father. The Holy Spirit, his whole job is to point us to Jesus. They've modeled that. And that's how we live, too, as we point. Man, rather, I, I want a pastor who has spent time in the presence of God. I want one who preaches not to entertain, but to convict people to repent of sin. I want one that will challenge people to draw near to God and live lives empowered by the Holy Spirit. That's what I want. That's what my pastor, Pastor Tom Blair, if you're watching, that's what you did in my life, sir. But we live in a culture where we get so fleshly about all that stuff. We've got to be careful, amen? William Seymour, he was a blind black man who in um, the early 1900s, I want to say it was about 1906, if I remember right, he began to have a stirring. And him and a bunch of others, they went to um, an area in, it was on um, LeBray Street, 
But it ended up growing out of that house on the Bray Street, this, this time of prayer and seeking God. And they ended up getting a livery up on Azusa Street. And he would preach there at the Azusa Street livery, at this livery. And they called it the Azusa Street Mission. And for a few years, a revival fire left that building and went all around the world. And you are a part of that revival today, literally. What God stirred in that moment. But that man, eyes opaque, hard to look at. They would say that he would get behind the pulpit sometimes when he'd preach. Because he just didn't want to be seen. He just wanted people to see Jesus. He just wanted people to experience the power of the Holy Spirit and not put it on man, not put it on flesh. And he would demure and humble himself. Man, that's what we need. Because the fire of God fell and revival started and it changed the world. Can I just tell you this way? Sometimes what is real isn't appealing or flashy. It's just not. Let me give you a passage out of Isaiah. He had no form or majesty that we would look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom it hid their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Doesn't sound like Vegas Jesus, does it? Lowly, meek, and mild. But us as pastors, I put the blame on us because the machine drives us if we're not careful. Us as pastors, we've worked so hard to perfect the show. Jesus was meek, lowly, mild. All his signs and wonders drew, and I, he's, they still do. I love what he does. But it's not about that, it's about him being drawn closer to him. See, we have judged things right because it appeals to our flesh rather than our spirit. This is, this is good. This is how it should be. And I'm not saying we're changing that. I just need us to understand the heart behind everything and to go after the substance, not the show. Amen? But it appeals to our flesh so we discern this is right. Just like in our personal decisions, when it appeals to our flesh and we're leaning toward our will... We'll discern it's right every time. <clears throat> I want to bring this up to Palm Sunday, because today's Palm Sunday. Can I tell you right now, creating a type of Jesus in the image of our flesh and what our flesh desires, that comes from poor discernment. It's what it does. It comes from poor discernment. I mean, you have churches that are super hyper grace-filled. And they deem that to be right. Just super hyper grace-filled. Everything goes. It doesn't matter. And they deem that to be right. Sometimes in those experiences, and maybe other different churches have different backgrounds, people will begin to define Jesus as cosmic jukebox Jesus. In other words, Jesus to me is all about my entertainment. We can try to get real spiritual with it. It's not entertainment, it's entertainment. That way we can justify being satisfied with just the flesh. What's entertainment? No, God doesn't want to satisfy with just the flesh. He wants us going after his spirit. Not just his spirit, but the, his spirit affecting our spirit, who we are at the core. 
In that cosmic jukebox church mindset, Jesus exists to make you feel good and feel better. I hope you leave here today not feeling good and not feeling better. We doing that? You're like someone like, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> For others, Jesus is cosmic slot machine Jesus. You know? Come on, Jesus. Three cherries, three cherries, three cherries. Is, is that what you win? I was just seeing who my lottery people are. Remember, tithe. Okay, so, no. Jesus exists to be able to give you everything you ever wanted right when you want it. Come on, Jesus. Then you have the churches that are super hyper judgment filled. The hyper grace filled or the hyper bless me, bless me, bless me filled, they miss the mark. Their discernment has missed the mark. But then on the other side, the super judgment filled, they've missed the mark too. If you're here and you're new to the things of Christ, I expect you to be a flat out mess. And I'm glad you're my mess. More importantly, I'm glad you're Jesus's mess. Fish don't get up in the boat clean, amen? They don't become those cute little van, those little fish sticks all on their own. And listen, while you're becoming a fish stick, we're patient with you, you know? But some of you were fish sticks a long time ago, and you've been sitting on a counter for like 10 years. And you're satisfied just going, you want something? Just warm me up. Just warm me back up. And on Sunday, every Sunday, this is, this is real time right now. I'm making this up as I go. Every Sunday, you come into church, just warm me up. I, you might say that, but you still smell fishy. You know what I'm saying? Too many fishy believers. I've been there before, satisfied with just being warmed up. No. But listen, you're new and you're growing, man. This isn't for you. I'm not giving you this sermon. But those of us that have been around for a long time that have just stopped seeing him as much as Lord as, as he is, it's just, I'm just challenging us, amen? And again, I'm included in that. So all these different perceptions that have Jesus exactly being seen as what they want, it's what's happening in their hearts, in their flesh, all those different perceptions, that's what was happening on the day of the Palm, that we call Palm Sunday. That day that Jesus rode in on a borrowed donkey, it's exactly what was happening. All the tensions of that time were affecting people's discernment. There was people in that group that were laying out the blankets because they saw him as the one that would come and stop the oppression of Rome. And so for them, the Christ is the one that's going to break the yoke off the back from the Romans. And that's how they viewed it. There was some in the crowd that saw this is the one that's the answer to my moral tension. My moral questions, my, 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 my heart that, that can't just be about religion anymore, but I need that relationship. There was some. There was some. But the majority of the people, you've read the story. On that day, they're worshiping and praising and enjoying the show as King comes in. A few days later, They were saying, crucify him. Crucify him. Man, how far off from discernment do you have to be? If one day it's praise, praise, and just a few days later it's crucify, crucify. But it's because they were bringing to the table their tensions, and in the midst of their tensions, their discernment and their leaning was going toward he must not be the Christ. 
They were wanting to be sure the Messiah was coming to set them free from Roman oppression and socially change their station of life. But Jesus was riding in to do something different. When they were discerning between flesh and spirit, they had a bias. And we have to be careful that when we're determining between flesh and spirit, we have to be careful of our own bias coming into play. Because we live in the same time. Much like at the time, our world now is controlled by nefarious ideologies contrary to the kingdom of God. Would you say amen? Yeah, we live very much in a similar way. You would think God would look to change those things wholesale 2,000 years ago. And Jesus would ride into town and change it in a moment. But Jesus didn't come to change the tensions they were experiencing in a moment. He, he, did, he did come, though, to bring change. He just wasn't going to do it the way people thought he was going to do it. He wasn't going to free the people from oppression extrinsically. Everybody say flesh. He wasn't going to come in and do this work of flesh to satisfy their flesh. Same way, our world at times is nefarious in their principles. God's not just going to come in and change it through a work of flesh. Jesus comes and he comes to bring change intrinsically and basically to affect the core of man and to fill him with his Holy Spirit, empowering them to change the world one heart at a time. And that's what happened when Jesus came in to Jerusalem that day. He didn't come with flesh to overpower flesh. He came in this, this meekness to lay his life down, to give you a true power. And that power isn't that flesh would have control, but the spirit would rise up intrinsically within you and change you, amen? Because his death caused his Holy Spirit to come and raise, come and live within you when you accept Jesus as your savior. I'm getting into my Easter sermon. I'm gonna have to stop there. You have to come back next week. You better come back next week, right? All right, it's Easter. But. So he wasn't stepping in to change things. He was stepping in to change people. Not just the situations, but the people that were thronging the streets, that were lining up with their, their garments and their, their, their blankets and all sorts of things and, and palm leaves and such. Then, listen, out of our love and devotion to him, as he brings that change to us, we walk daily discerning how to live, not just embracing what we like. That's love and devotion. He, he came and he, he I love it because he didn't change people by a driving force, per se, he changed them by his love. Now, his love was a force, but he didn't roll into the city and change it by force. He rolled in and loved at a level no one has ever seen love before or since. And that's how he works with us. And then out of that love that he's given us, we love and have devotion back, and we press into what he desires more than what we like. And, and in that, he starts changing our desires. We're almost done, guys. Well, Ross, having that agenda, that life submitted to the agenda of God and being able to begin to discern and walk in the spirit, not the flesh, that sounds like a lot of work. Yeah, it is. It's a lot of work. It's not easy to position your heart towards living in a way that honors and pleases God. That's why we have to seek what's real when it comes to who Jesus is and what Jesus desires. Not what is presented and you know what? I think a lot of people are satisfied. I'll say pastors. I'm going to put myself in that boat. Our past, a lot of pastors are just satisfied. If you'll come so I have the numbers, and you'll give so I have the finances, and then you'll go. And you live how you want to live. Can I just tell you I'm not satisfied with that? 
I don't want your money. I don't want your butt in the seat, okay? I want you to hear and see that he's Lord, and he has so much for you. And go after him and grow and develop, amen? Learn to discern what's flesh, what's spirit. And when it's flesh, crucify it. And when it's spirit, blow on it. Get some fire on it. We've got to seek the real thing. The Pharisees heard, this is verse 32, the crowd muttering these things about him, and the chief priests and Pharisees sent officers to arrest them. And then Jesus said, I'll be with you a little longer, and then I'm going to him who sent me. And I'm going to say the same thing he said. I'm going to say it to us. If we're not careful, if we're all about the flesh and not the spirit, you will seek me and you will not find me. I want to find him. Because I know when I seek him and I find him and I'm having that walk with him and he shows up, man, his power does show up. I'm not doubting, I'm not saying that's wrong. When he shows up, lives are changed, people are healed, people are set free, deliverance comes, amen? That's awesome. I want him to show up. I, I want to always be able to find him. I want to be able to be so close. Oh, there you are. I didn't have to look far. Oh, there you are. I want to live close. And that takes having that spirit leaning into him, making those decisions out of the spirit. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. That's the key to walking in the spirit. Literally, that's the key to discerning well and walking in the spirit, not the flesh. The key, what is it, Ross? How thirsty are you for what's real? How thirsty? How, how satisfied are you with what isn't? How thirsty are you for what's real? Oh, Ross, people don't want what's real. They've lost their discernment, and they're satisfied with fizz and pop. In Ohio, we call Coke pop. I've been here long enough, I, I can't even hardly say pop. It's weird coming out of my mouth, but that's what we call it. And people just get satisfied with fizz and pop. God has so much more, the real. And I know on the bottle of Coca-Cola, it used to say it's the real thing. But I'll tell you right now, you drink Coca-Cola, disclaimer. Okay, anybody drinking cola that much, going to die. I don't want to, go to, I don't want to get sued, but you drink Coca-Cola only for the rest of your life, you're going to die. It doesn't have everything that you need. And we satisf get satisfied with the pop and the fizz? But listen, and we're going to finish with this. Because if I just get satisfied with the flesh, and I discern things, and I walk after my flesh instead of after my spirit that's going after God, if I do that in that discernment, and I don't do anything else but, that's my lifestyle. I know what God says, but... I'm enjoying this. I'm going to do this. And this is what I'm doing. If that's the case, you're going to die. It will bring spiritual death. We won't get to the promised land. All those Israelites, but the younger generation and, and, and Joshua and Caleb, the rest of those generations stayed in the wilderness. They stayed on this side. They didn't get to go in. And I want what's best for you. So listen, there's a promise for those who discern wisely and live their life not satisfied with sugar, water, and fizz. Here's the promise. John 7, verse 38. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. That's what I want. I want the rivers of living water to flow in this place. My heart leaning in, your heart's leaning in, discerning well, walking after the spirit, not the flesh, more hungry about the substance in the show when it comes to being a church, 
going after God in our private lives the other six days of the week. Man, and when that happens, out of you, it says, not out of your pastor, not out of your church building, but out of you will flow rivers of living water. God's going to flow his presence and all that he has in you and through you. That sounds like more, doesn't it? Yeah. Bow your heads and close your eyes. How many here this morning, you just want more? You want more. Raise your hand. Just let me see your hands. Yeah. Yeah, I want more. Father, in the name of Jesus, you see hands raised, and I ask, Lord, that you give them that supernatural discernment to make those decisions that lean them toward your heart, that lean them toward the decisions based upon your scripture, upon the leading of your spirit, and that they would be able to walk and see your rivers flow, bringing life wherever they go in their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're here this morning, and maybe you don't have a relationship with Jesus, and maybe this sounds extreme, like that's, that's what I'm giving my life to? Yes, that's what you're giving your life to. One that is your Lord, your leader, the one you follow. But oh, it's a wonderful life. So good. He redeems us. He forgives us of our sins. He begins to direct our paths and show us his way. Oh, it's good. So what I'm going to do, a lot of times we'll have people bow their head when we pray this prayer as if we're embarrassed making our life decision to follow Jesus. Oh, there's nothing embarrassing about it. We're going to celebrate with you. And if you're here this morning, you're like, Ross, I want Jesus. I want that, the radical way you've talked about this one. I want to follow him. If that's you, hold up your hand and say, yes, Ross. Let me just see your hand. Anybody else? Anybody else? If you've made that commitment before, you know, I thank you for raising your hand. If you're new and making that commitment, keep your hand up for just a second. Just a second. We want to be sure to get a book to you guys. Amen, amen, amen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for lives recommitting themselves to you, Jesus. Just submitting themselves to your leadership today, Jesus. Allow them as they do that to walk and see all that you have for them. In your name I pray. Amen. One final thing I do want to announce, and we're going to pray together. Take your phone out. We're going to use that as a point of contact. We are going to be having um, Easter next week. And earlier you saw the text threads with all the different pictures, you know, that you can hand out as invites to people. And those don't help anybody if we don't hand them out. And so, or send them out. And so I just want you to hold your phone. We're going to pray for next Sunday services. Amen. Father, yesterday in this house, we had people here praying and believing you for a great move of your presence next week, Jesus. And so, Lord God, right now, we, we just continue in that prayer, Lord God. We, we want you to be glorified in this house. We want your glory to show up in this house, Jesus. And so, Father, in doing so, lives will be changed, lives will be set free, and lives will be saved. And so we stand together as a church in agreement over this. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.